Hi, you're listening to the sermon recording podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Let me start by telling you guys a story. Uh, so, as many of you probably know by now, one of the roles that I have at Awaken is that I get the privilege of being the teaching pastor is one of the things that I do. And one of the ways that I get to enjoy my job is that I get to take my super nerdy, love planning, A-type personality, and I charter out series that I think our church would like to do and, and want to do. And so probably about a year ago, or after we had had Easter, um, which at that time, if you're with us, was at Plaza Baptist Church, we had for the last two years done a joint Easter service with them. Um, and that had its pros and cons in the grand scheme of things. But uh, I remember leaving that gathering for Easter feeling like I had just like gone to an Easter service, but I didn't feel like I walked away loving Jesus more. And uh, I'm a pastor, so like I should probably not tell you that, but the reality is I left a gathering feeling like I had done my church duty and not actually walked away with the reminder of who Jesus really is to me, to Philip. Not theologically understanding the cross or celebration of what happens on Good Friday uh, or Sunday morning with the resurrection. Uh, I know those things in and out, but I didn't walk away embracing and feeling that resurrection power that I really enjoy being reminded of in the process. Just a show of hands, uh, and you guys can just kind of work your way with me back here uh, if you don't mind, but show of hands, how many of you guys have ever just been to a church service and you just walked away because that's what you're supposed to do? Anybody? All right. The rest of you guys are lying. It's okay. We'll deal with that later. But like the reality is we've all been there, right? How many of you guys, be a little bit bolder, Christmas Eve or Easter, you're like, yeah, I just went because I had to, but like it's not really my thing, right? Cool. Most of you guys, right? The reality is for probably many of us, church has always been and probably will always be a constant battle referred to as this service that you attend. And I think for me, what was missing last year was that for me personally, I left a gathering and I went home by myself and I wasn't connected to my community. And so I didn't experience church. I went to a service. And so as empty as that grave was on Sunday, woohoo! so was my spirit. And I remember thinking back to this idea of I don't want to ever do an Easter service again that isn't surrounded by talking about who Jesus is. Like the most stereotypical, uh, fundamental core value at, at the root of every Christian's life is this understanding that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for us, conquered sin and death, 
and now invites us to be on mission with him through the power of the Holy Spirit because he's at work. And yet it seems like I shouldn't talk about it because it's like, well, that's cliche. Like, let's talk about something more cool. Like, I found this Hebrew word last week, guys, who, like, you know, uh, it means this thing over here. And I think sometimes we can get so far removed from trying to nuance things that we read or hear or find in the Scriptures. And the reality is there's power in this story of Jesus, and it's our duty and responsibility to share it. And so for the last three weeks, we've been doing this series called King Jesus. And I have absolutely, and maybe you haven't, and I, I hopefully you feel the same way, but I have loved feeling like I've fallen in love with Easter this year again, man. For me, our Easter gathering that we had, our first Saturday night Easter gathering was phenomenal. I loved every second of it. It was great. And I experienced community in my life on Easter weekend. And since then, I've experienced living out that community of being the church over the last several weeks through my MC gathering for meals, through hanging out with many of you. I've been very intentional in April and May to really, for me, create this very important church dynamic in my life. So I would just put it out there first and foremost. If, one, you haven't listened to the messages, they're available for you online. But two, the, the issue is not just that you come and listen to a message. It's that you come be a part of a community and then you leave as a community. But one of the easiest temptations for us as American Christians right now is to go and attend a church service and then leave. And so you have this very false pseudo-community where like, you sit in a room full of people that you know some people's names, but that you leave and you actually exist in a lonely space the entire time. That is one of the biggest things that grieves my heart about the church today is that we don't spend time walking in community and doing life together. And man, if we don't do it during Easter, man, when are we going to do it? Right? If Jesus himself doesn't bring us together as a community to gather, to mourn, to celebrate, to walk through uh, the, the cross on Friday, the hopelessness on Saturday, and the resurrection power on Sunday, if we don't walk through that, man, we're missing something. And one service really doesn't do it justice, in my opinion. So we did this whole series, right? And if you were here last week, Jeff kind of took it one step further and talked about this idea of the kingdom of God. Now, in the, in the Gospels, roughly about 120, 130 times in the four Gospels collectively, even if it's repetitious in some places, the phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, pop up in the Gospels. What's interesting, though, is that only probably another 30 to 35 times does it appear in the remaining New Testament scriptures. So why does Jesus versus other New Testament authors spend so much time talking about this idea of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? And so Jeff kind of talked through three different ways to kind of understand what does this idea of the kingdom of heaven mean theologically? And, and I, I won't spoil it for you. I want you to listen to it. Jeff got his chance to kind of nerd out on some theology words, so give him that. Go listen to it for him. He'll appreciate that. But to fast forward and give you the, the uh, cliff note version here, at the end of it, he talked about this beautiful tension between understanding that the kingdom of heaven is both here and yet not at the same time. There's something really beautiful to understand that Jesus is alive and present here and now through the kingdom of God that he is creating on earth. But 
even in conversations like we have tonight, it's not hard to realize that the kingdom of heaven is not yet fully present. That there is still evil and brokenness. That there is still void and hopelessness in spaces. And so the kingdom of heaven is both here and yet not fully realized yet at the same way. So let's just take one step back here. And again, Jeff did a phenomenal job. I just want to kind of define for you in case you weren't here what we mean by this idea of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just simply a realm uh, or a people group. The kingdom is really referring to God's reign over really all things. So God governs all things as the ruler and reigner, the King Jesus. And that itself is the kingdom of God. But the reality is that there is resistance still to the kingdom of God, which is why it doesn't exist in every corner of the world yet. There is still uh, a very strong enemy at play. There are still people who willingly or unwillingly choose to not fall in line with who he is. But it doesn't change the fact that God governs and oversees all things. What is important to understand about God's reign and the kingdom of God is that from that understanding of God's reign as our king, that then creates a people group. And that makes people who call themselves Christ followers or Christians, that's what then invites us to be called, or what I would refer to as citizens of heaven. Now this phrase, citizen of heaven, is not uh, abnormal. It's mentioned a couple of places in the New Testament. But this idea of being a citizen to heaven speaks to this idea of an allegiance that you and I have. Now, I uh, did not grow up in Hampton Roads, but I've been here for almost seven years now, so I call this place home for me. Uh, I've realized that when I say I've been here for about seven years, people are like, oh yeah, this is home. You've outlasted most people that you'll see nowadays. But many of you are also local residents. You've grown up and been a part of Hampton Roads or Virginia Beach or some variation of that for most of your life. Maybe many of you have been military at some point or you've been brought here for various other jobs. But the reality is Virginia Beach or Hampton Roads in general is really a melting pot of a lot of people. And when you put a lot of people in a very dense area, uh, one of my favorite facts about Virginia Beach is that it's the largest populated city in the whole state of Virginia. And uh, people don't realize that uh, until you hop on, uh, you know, 64 heading you know, east or uh, westbound, and you realize, man, there are a lot of people here. Like, yeah, no kidding. Everyone's here, right? In fact, three of the largest f top five cities in the state of Virginia are Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, and Norfolk. Guess where we all live? South side of the tunnel, right? So next time you want to know why, that's why. So uh, it's incredible how many people live in these three cities. And so you have this smorgasbord of people, right, uh, that come together, represent different politics, different religions, different backgrounds, different cultures, different race, uh, different languages, tribes, whatever it is, they come together, and we make up the Hampton Road South Side area for us. For me, when I started to kind of understand this idea of the kingdom of God being present and being a part of my life, I have to first look around me and realize, where's God already at work? Because it's so easy for me to hop on the interstate or go to another meeting and just exist. There's a difference between existing in the kingdom of God and being present in the kingdom of God. And I think for me, God's been teaching me this lesson a lot the last few weeks. I, uh, I was given a book by 
my mother, uh, it's actually Emmy's book, uh, that I, I thought, man, how, uh, how cool, I was going to read you a couple pages from this book, it's a kid's book, okay, but um, God's been like working on me this whole kingdom of God thing, uh, and kind of what that means for me and how I understand that, and simultaneously for Easter, in, in my daughter's Easter basket, uh, my mom bought her this book that reflected on the Lord's Prayer in kid terminology. And I just want to read you a few pages. If, if you're not aware, just spoiler alert, the Lord's Prayer, probably many of you, whether you're a believer or not, you've heard it at some uh, uh, event or uh, church function before, right? But our Father who art in heaven, how, you know, whatever version you want to use, but hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how I memorized it as a kid. So forgive my King James-ness, but like that's how I have remembered in your head. Maybe many of you are like, yep, that's me, bro. Like, I, don't, I don't read King James, but I got that one down, right? So maybe that's you. Um, but as a result, uh, I, I love where the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus, our King, that we're talking about, he's inviting us to understand the first really important dynamic of what it means to understand the kingdom of God. So uh, I'm just going to hold this book up here like you guys are all my kids for the night, so you'll bear with me here. The book says, hello, daddy, we want to know you and be close to you. Please show us how. All you teachers in the room, I'm not doing this for you. Like this is, this is, get it, like faith, get it right now. I'm not reading this book to your seventh graders. What do you have? Yeah, I'm not, yeah, definitely not doing that. So I'll read it again because I'm a little distracted, sorry. Hello, Daddy. We want to know you and be close to you. Please show us how. Make everything right in the world again and in our hearts too. Do what is best just like you do in heaven. And please do it down here too. And so every night before we go to bed, we have this book and Psalm 23, same concept though, and Emmy can pick which book that she wants to read. And we've had Psalm 23 for uh, about six months now, and uh, no joke, uh, Pratt Doubt, my, my child has memorized the book. In fact, Dave and Nicole were for dinner Thursday, and so Emmy wanted to show them that she knows how to read the book. So the very last thing before Dave and Nicole left on Thursday at dinner was that she uh, read the book, right? She's memorized it, right? My kid, I mean, she read it, guys. Let's be honest, right? But, but she memorized it. And so, but it's cool. Like, my child is learning these basic concepts. What I love about this one, right, is that there's this beautiful prayer so, spoken and read through a three, three-year-old's version in my household of my child beginning to, to say things like, do what is best. Make things right here the way they are up there. And if my child at three years old can begin the fundamental basic understanding that God desires to make things right in the world, that God's desire in his kingdom is to restore all things back to him. And how much more true is that for me at 31 years old? Or Steve at 80, right? I mean, whatever... However old you are, Steve's not in here, but trying to get you guys to laugh a little bit tonight. And, not, and again, not even to bypass it in all seriousness, right? But just for one second, 
Man, how, how important is it for us as a church right now to be reminded of the kingdom of God? That God's desire is to redeem all things. As Jeff shared last week, to exist in this shalom that's not just the exchanging of peaceful words. It's all things put back the way they were meant to be. In God's kingdom, there is shalom. So in the New Testament and in the Gospels, there's all this uh, phrases and, and, and parables taught around the kingdom of God. Jeff referred to one last week. I want to give you a different one because I want to kind of talk through not the kingdom of God per se, but that's an important foundation. I want to talk through our role in the process. So the first thing that we just basically have tried to cover here for you, when it comes to the kingdom of God and you want to understand what your role is, the first thing that you can do within your role of being a part, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, is that your job is to pray. Your first job is to pray. And maybe for you it's as simple as going in and making your fill-in-the-blank age personalized version of what the Lord's Prayer looks like. Like maybe for you, and I've done this a lot recently, I've said, God, my life right now feels off. Hello, Daddy. I need your arms wrapped around me. I need the reminder that you're at work in the world around me. My prayer today, God, is that you, in my neighborhood, in my job, in my relationships, that you would make things right the way they are in heaven and these places that I go today. Right? That's Philip's version of the Lord's Prayer. You've got to figure out what that is for you, but even if you just simply read it and recite it for right now, begin, and I would say that we are encouraged to daily, we should be a part of constantly praying for the kingdom of God to be present in our lives and the lives of the people around us. Right? So the first thing that's super easy that all of us should commit to is just having a prayer life around the kingdom of God. Now, before I read this last parable, I just want to state one more thing here, and I referenced it a second ago. But this idea of citizenship or this idea of, uh, of our allegiance being to the kingdom of God is really important. And I don't want to state this carefully because I don't want it to be misunderstood. But one of the things, especially in our culture, and probably more significantly even in Hampton Roads, is that many times people who subscribe to the Christian faith have a hard time understanding citizenship of heaven over citizenship to the things of this world. Let me be more specific. I think at times we as Christians can be tempted to share allegiances with God and other things. Country, town, family, occupation. It doesn't take much for you to turn on the news and realize that everything out there is competing for your allegiance. Belong to our tribe, belong to our club, belong to our set of worldview, belong, belong, belong. And I'm not here to say that there's anything against being a patriot, being proud of the fact that you're an American, right? I, I enjoy living in my country. But make no mistake, there's no room for the cross and the flag to coexist. The cross always is superior to everything else in our life. 
and understanding the kingdom of God is set first and foremost then begins to help us understand how we then view our role as citizens of this country, of belonging to your local community, of being a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, a grandparent in the room. And some of you, it's not even about a country thing. For some of us, right, it's about our families. We have an allegiance to our family that even trumps the cross at times. And so it's not simply a conversation around, around patriotism or other things, right? I'm, I'm for a lot of those things. They're, they're good in nature. But I think instead of them competing, once we begin to understand the kingdom of God and the role that it plays in our life as citizens of heaven, everything flows through that, not competes with it. Does that make sense? So the moment we begin to understand our citizenship is something that I would say comes from the cross or King Jesus, if you will, Man, I know a lot better how to be an American citizen and, and submit to the laws of this country and to treat my neighbor well and to parent my daughter well. Moderately well, kind of, I try. We'll keep going down the list. But the reality is all those things flow from this understanding. My allegiance is to King Jesus and his kingdom. There is no competing second option. So let's read a parable together, uh, and it's probably a parable that many of you or a version of this parable have heard before if you've been a part of the faith community for any period of time. But I want you to look at it through the lens of what's my role in the kingdom of God, okay? So don't just listen to it blank. I want your bias to be around the kingdom of God and the role that I have, okay? Luke 19, we're going to read through about 14 verses, so stay with me here. Luke 19, starting in verse 12. Uh, this is Jesus. He says, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king, and then he returned. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him and said, We do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called uh, to the servants to whom he had given the money that he wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I've invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be a governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You'll be a governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back, only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you, had a, because you are a hard man to deal with, uh, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I did not plant, why didn't you deposit the money into the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then turning to the other standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But master, they said, he already has ten pounds. Yes, the king replied, and those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But, those, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Just, again, a show of hands, how many of you have ever heard any version of this idea of 
these, uh, these servants or talents being distributed. Ever heard this story? Okay, yeah, a lot of us. When I reread this story through the lens of the kingdom of God, some really interesting things popped out to me. And I have some good news, but I want to just be honest about some challenges that I felt when I read this, and maybe those convictions you can relate to, or maybe it's just time for the confessions of a pastor moment. But regardless, just appease me for a second. What's interesting to me when I reread this story and understand the kingdom of God or studying that and God kind of speaking to me in that is that the last servant did what I think a lot of us do and what I can be guilty of doing. Is that the last servant was scared and just kept it safe. Now think about that for one second through the lens of the kingdom of God. This story can be about a lot of things. Stewardship, generosity. But the last guy in the story, or the third servant that we we see in the story, he literally says verbatim that he was scared, so he hid the money and kept it safe. So here's my bold question to myself and maybe you in the room as well. How many of us have been given something from the Lord and we're too scared to use it? So we hide and just kind of keep to ourselves. Man, when I first thought about that, it was like this brick dropped on me like, oh, that's, uh, that doesn't feel good. Right? Like, think about even just and I'll use a very simple example, right? Because I think probably most of us in the room can relate to this. Think about the fact that you, as we've just celebrated Easter, right? This beautiful story of King Jesus conquering sin and death. How many of you have shared that hope with someone else in the last few weeks? The last few months? I'm not referring to like handing someone a track or like, preaching at them. I'm just saying, how many of you have existed in giving someone hope that stems from Jesus in the process? Because so many of us are afraid of offending someone or bothering someone, so we just keep these things to ourselves. We're guilty of being citizens of this kingdom, and we basically clock in and clock out, and we stay home, and we don't do anything. And then when the king comes knocking and says, hey, man, what you been doing with all these amazing gifts I've given you? We say, hey, I was scared. I didn't know what to do. So I just sat here. And all of a sudden, we realized, man, that was really stupid. Here's what I thought of for me. Here's, what, here's my confession. We don't know how long we have here on this side of heaven. But I never want to stand in front of my king and be asked, what did you do with what, I've been, with what I gave you? And say, I didn't do anything, I just kind of existed. I played it safe. See, Jesus comes into our world 
and begins to create this kingdom that's upside down. It's backwards. It's inside out. It changes the way that we think, the way that we view the world around us. It changes how we love people. Right? I, I, I keep coming back to this thing. We talked about the week one or, or Easter weekend. We talked about how Man, Jesus is for everyone, literally everyone, right? But man, we sometimes put these filters around who Jesus is for. We think, well, they're not quite ready yet, or God can't be calling over there to these people, or, or that, that person's done this. Jesus is the most inclusive thing out there, guys, and the world strives to want everyone to belong to something. And it's not your job to tell them how to behave before they join the, the club, right? The reality is there is no club. Jesus says there's a way of life, and I want everyone to experience that love, that saving grace, that hope. And so as you think about this, these three individuals in this parable, right? This parable is absolutely about the role that you and I have in the kingdom of God. And there are people around us that we get to celebrate and say, man, look at what they're doing. They're taking the things that God's given them, and they're using their gifts, and God says, hey, I'm going to keep giving you more and more because you're choosing to steward your time, your talents, and your resources well. The coolest thing about the gospel is that it's filled with grace. And many of you, many of us, we fall into the third servant category tonight, which can be hard to hear, and it sucks. But the grace of the gospel is that God walks with us and doesn't leave us there. Today's not your judgment day. Thank God for that. Today is a day where you get to say, man, what am I doing? How am I taking the talents, the resources? What am I doing to show the world the kingdom of God? What am I doing to pray that things would be on earth as they are in heaven? What does that mean for my school? What does that mean for my family? What does that mean for where I work? What does that mean for my neighbors? What does that mean for how I treat someone within my church community? What does it mean for the kingdom of God to be fully present? Because we talk about this all the time at Awaken, and it's important to, to reiterate it in this context. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus says it. Because he is at work already right you bump into someone you're like hey how's your day going man i've just had the worst day in the world hey can i just stop and pray for you for a second kingdom of heaven at work hey i was just thinking about you this week you're on my mind just want to see how your week was going kingdom of heaven at work hey do you guys want to come over for dinner this week just want to hang out with you guys and love on you guys and or i can't cook so let's go out to eat and i'll buy the food right whatever it is for you Kingdom of God at work. Hey, you're hurting right now. Can I just come over and bring some tissues? A bottle of wine? Kingdom of God at work. You see, the kingdom of God shows up in the most unusual places because our God, our creator, and our King Jesus exists in every space. And he desires for his rule and reign and his kingdom to be at work. But he doesn't want to do it without you. Right? That's the most exciting part of the story is that he wants you. He invites you to be on this story with him. 
So whether you're here as an individual, as a part of a family, whether you're a part of Awaken or not, the, the, the great news for you, the good news by definition in the Gospels is that the kingdom of God is available. That's what the good news is. When they refer to the good news in the New Testament, they're referring to the kingdom of God being present in a situation. Where is the good news in your life? Where can you open your eyes and say, man, that's God at work. That's good news. Let me tell that story to someone. Man, I'm in Dallas for the next two weeks for my other job that I do, but I just want to challenge you guys. I want you to blow up my phone and my email because I want to hear all about the good news that's happening in your life. Right? Just every time it happens, just text me, email me, Facebook message me. I want to be that guy who's like, can y'all leave me alone? Because the moment you begin to see it and speak to it, it's contagious. It's not that all of a sudden God just started working. It's that you started seeing God at work. And so my invitation to you tonight is to not only play a role, to pray for the kingdom of God, to be active in the kingdom of God, but to open your eyes and see that our King Jesus is at work everywhere we go. Praise the Lord for that. Let's pray. Hello, Daddy. We want to know you and be close to you. Please show us how. Make everything in the world right again and in our hearts too. Do what is best, just like you do in heaven. And please do it down here too. Please give us everything we need today. Forgive us just as we forgive other people when they hurt us. Rescue us. We need you. We don't want to keep running away and hiding from you. Keep us safe from our enemies. You are strong, God. You can do whatever you want. You are in charge now and forever and for always. We think you're great. Amen.